Yeah, Kelly. Hey, Rachel. So I guess I'll share a minorly embarrassing story. So we mentioned in the last episode a meme we saw about SoundCloud rappers. And since I spend so much time on the internet, I know what SoundCloud rappers are, but I've never really explored the genre. And I was thinking, man, I should really keep my finger on the pulse. So I'm going to listen to some SoundCloud rappers. And I really went down a rabbit hole listening to like all of them. And uh, it turns out I do like Lil Xan, Rachel. That's X-A-N. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, like Xanax. Yeah. Which is the whole thing. They're all addicted to... God, is, is Xanax an opioid? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the one that I really ended up liking a lot musically was 6 9 And he just looks super obnoxious. He's got the rainbow hair and the tattoos all over his face and body. And I thought, man, I really like what he's doing. And I really appreciate this. So I got on Facebook... And made a post saying, hey, I'm really into 6 9 And yeah, check him out. And like 30 seconds later, a friend comments, he molested a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and linked to evidence of him, in fact, molesting a 13-year-old girl. The funny thing about this story when Kelly was telling me, I was like, that's pretty much 2017 and 2018. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> hey, do you like this, this guy doing this thing? Yeah, he's a rapist. Yeah, I was like... Ugh. God damn it. And deleted the post because I really don't want to promote um, a diddler. <laughs> As it were. Yeah. What a son of a bitch. Yeah, that was unfortunate. <laughs> when I was thinking about what I wanted to cover in this, this is like a really fun part of the podcast. I look forward to it. Me too. What has been pissing me off lately? <laughs> and I get that women are more visually interesting than men we have more parts that have more variation and there's just more to look at so i can see how that might like take the woman and turn us into an art form in a way here's what pisses me off because of that people seem to have so much ownership over the female body that we just get way more scrutiny yes that is true and Holy shit, I don't know if it's just what I've been looking at lately, but I've seen more and more of it. And it drives me fucking crazy because not everything you're doing is to give someone a boner. And I don't know, it just seems like women don't get the same opportunity to just live their life like men do. That is very true. Um, I feel so dumb talking about this, but I've experienced this a long time. I have had my septum pierced for a decade or more at this point. I don't even remember... Sometimes I wear a retainer and sometimes I go for long periods of time where I wear a hoop through my nose that's visible 24-7. Like now. Yeah, <laughs> like currently. I get Facebook messages. I've even gotten comments when I'm at work, but it's always men. Well, when it does happen, it's always men who say things like, you know, you're really pretty. You don't need a nose ring. And I, I didn't choose this piercing because I think it makes me prettier to you i like the way they look and i wanted one for myself it's jewelry it's no different than piercing your ears i remember talking to one of my male friends about um i was thinking about switching to contacts he was like i think you look best in glasses and i was like so this tiny square of my face is more unattractive than the rest of my face is that what you're hinting at that doesn't make any goddamn sense <laughs> Yeah, it is so annoying. And you're right, men don't, I don't think they experience that anywhere near to the same degree that we do. I did read recently that men and women have the same amount of pressure to be considered attractive, but 
the amount of work it takes to be considered attractive by male standards, or, well, by what is considered the male attractive norm, is not anywhere near as much fucking work as it is for girls. It's true. So it's just, I don't know. I, I don't like that people feel, like right now, since I'm preggers, um, no one has said a thing to me, and I think it's because they know I will happily tell them exactly what I think, which is great. I'm happy I've set myself up for this. But if anyone had the nerve, I've read other people, their family members being like, you don't need to eat that. That would be bad for the baby. Ooh. Yeah, or just telling them what they do or do not need to do with their body. And yes, it may be from a place of love with interest of their pregnancy, but she's not a fucking idiot. Our OBs tell us specifically what we can and can't eat. We don't need anyone's help. Yeah. And it's just weird that people have that ownership of female bodies. Yeah, it... I've never thought about it from the perspective of a pregnant woman, but that's true. People think they can tell you, hey, this is what you need to do with your person. Yeah. Um, I have noticed this happens with women's wardrobe as well. And we get it from both men and women, which is really annoying. It seems to have gotten better recently. I think the tides of the internet are shifting into more don't be an asshole territory. But not too long ago, um, I used to see things online all the time about why do girls wear high-waisted shorts? Why do girls wear big sunglasses? Why do girls wear hoop earrings? They wear them because they like the way they look. Yeah, it's because we want to. It's not because we're like always trying to look attractive for someone else. That should be a byproduct of what we want to do for ourselves. Exactly. Because it's self-expression. Yeah. And it is weird that men have like less interest in visual self-expression like that, it seems. Yeah, I don't like when men wear fucking cargo shorts and wide ankle socks with New Balance sneakers. There you go. But would I ever say that to a person who was wearing that or even make a post that says that on Facebook? No, I keep that to myself other than just now. Right, but it it seems so common that you're with a group. I will say that I have talked so much shit about rompers because to me they make you look like a giant toddler. But I'm not talking about the woman specific. And I'm I'm never like pointing out a single girl and being like, I fucking hate rompers. I hate when girls wear rompers. I don't I'm just like, I personally don't like rompers because it's something that I could wear. Whereas men pointing out, oh, high waisted shorts, it's like, well, that's not an option for you. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Like you can't it's not the same. That's true. And I did I just create like the clothing equivalent of <laughs> it's our word. Oh shit. <laughs> I like rompers, but I could never wear one. I'm too tall. Well, okay, you can wear whatever you want to wear. It doesn't matter what you look like. But I'm, yeah, I, I feel like I think they look best on little wayfish girls. I have tried them on before, and without fail, they're always like too short, so they're just stretched to capacity up my cooch. <laughs> <laughs> Labia cleavage is all the rage. Ooh, word. I'm surprised like camel toe has not become on trend yet now's our time kp it's coming i predict within the next three summers we're gonna be breaking out snatch yeah just a little bit of labia cleave <laughs> Ooh, but that would beg the question like would you leave it hairy or would it be shaven labia cleave i guess that's up to the wearer hmm it would i just feel like it would be more pronounced full bush yeah but then you'd have those guys like if you're gonna show labia cleave at least shave it off yeah, they're going to say something. It's true. But, oh, yeah, but that's one of those things. Whether or not women breastfeed is a totally private and personal choice. 
but so many people feel like that's just a normal topic of conversation. Yeah. I've brought it up with people before. I've been like, yeah, I'm going to, but I'm also going to supplement with formula because I'm really excited about getting to drink a beer every now and then again. Holy shit. For real. Pump and dump. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> God. And people be like, ooh, that's so selfish. Formula babies are fine. Yes. Everybody's fine. Get off of the world's balls. Yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. Okay, one more anecdote for that because I'm I'm already annoyed about this topic, but I'm so excited. Kelly made her mad face. <laughs> we also get that about makeup. Yes, people, holy shit. People love to decide if you're wearing too much makeup or not enough makeup. And yeah, I like to occasionally put on a full face of makeup, which includes dramatic winged eyeliner. And I have gotten on multiple occasions, it's always a private message, like they're trying to slide me a compliment. It's like, hey, uh, I actually like the pictures of you better where you're not wearing makeup. Cool, I don't give a shit. Hey, I actually like it better when you don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) You look prettier with your mouth closed. (laughs) Oh wait, I guess it's Facebook Messenger, so it's like, stop typing. I don't get why people think that's a compliment either because I, I get that some girls feel pressured, like they only think they're pretty with makeup on. I am clearly not one of those people. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, we will eventually get to the topic of this episode, but <laughs> you just reminded me, a girl made a post on Reddit about a, this guy asked her on a date, but he asked her on a no makeup date and he worded it in a way that's like, hey, I don't want you to feel any pressure, so don't wear makeup to this date. But in... Doing so and in wording it that way, it was like making a demand on her. Yeah. He was basically saying, I want to see if you're still hot without makeup, so don't wear makeup. That's weird. I, yeah. All of the cringe. Yeah. Ugh. People are the worst. Listen up. This? I will wear what I want to wear, and if you don't get a boner, I'm not the one for you. Exactly. There you go. <sighs> and on top of that... Everyone is beautiful in a variety of situations. Why do people not appreciate novelty? That's true. Sometimes my eyebrows get straight skanky because I don't feel like plucking them for like a month. Colin still loves me. (laughs) Or at least he pretends to ignore it. (laughs) Either way, I'm winning. Okay, I gotta say, I don't think men really notice eyebrows. I think that is a woman thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're probably right. But... I am totally making this. No, Colin does notice because I get I get straight unibrow hairs and he never mentions them maliciously, but I have like one gray hair on my body and it is a unibrow hair and it gets, you don't notice it because it's gray, right? Until it's like an inch long. <laughs> and then, Whoa. And it cracks me up every single time and eventually he notices it and he's like, hey, guess who's back? <laughs> so welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Kelly. And I'm Rachel. And today we are talking about our private parts. Oh, yeah. So if you've been keeping up with the news at all, you've heard about the GDPR or the General Data Protection Regulation. So we're going to talk about data privacy, what that means, what data is, what the GDPR means for those abroad and us here in the States. Yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit about online privacy in general. Yeah, it's kind of the topic of the hour, but it's also something that, I mean, think Edward Snowden. We've all had this idea of what privacy meant from a governmental perspective, but we haven't really looked at what can a company own and how are we allowed to regulate what a company does and does not take from my, I don't know, internet usage. Yeah. Which is where you do everything now. 
Yeah, and I I am I have long been fascinated with Facebook's targeted advertising algorithms. They are on point. And I've always wondered, how do they know? Well, yeah, analyzing my data is big business now, which I, I guess I inherently knew, but I didn't really fully understand until today. And something that we talked about in our net neutrality episode that has come full circle into this, with these agencies taking your data and you having no ability to know what data they have on you or where it's stored or how it's stored or whether or not it has been breached, there is no regulation saying that they have to tell you any of that right now until the GDPR. Just like we mentioned in our net neutrality episode, who can buy your data is a huge issue. Who can know all of these things about you? Are we going to say that employers can't buy this information? Ooh, that's a good point. I never even thought about that. Yeah, so can future employers contact these places? I mean, there's information that would be protected for them to consider, but that doesn't mean that they can't access it, I wouldn't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a fucking lawyer. That is a really good question. Before we get any deeper, so... Yeah, we're going to talk about your data a lot. So what is data? Or what do we mean when we say your data? So I got this definition from actually an NBC News article. It's called, What is GDPR? A look at the European data privacy rules that could change tech. Yeah, this is the only piece I read that actually defined data, which I did appreciate. Your personal data includes anything from your name to your location to your online identifier Uh, That could be an IP address or your browser cookies that track your web activity. It also includes an individual's physical, physiological, genetic, mental, economic, cultural, or social identity. Holy shit. Yeah. So you, all the things that make you you. And the DNA one in particular is interesting because they caught the Golden State Killer by using DNA from a third cousin. Yeah, that's true. From like Ancestry.com or something crazy. Yeah. And I'm, God, in that example, I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. But that does raise a lot of questions. Especially in the age of poorly defined criminals. Right. Like, and what makes you a criminal? The answer is, oh, I'm a terrorist. And that means any of this variety of gray things. Right. And yeah, even, we talked about this in one episode at some point, but... You can find, or maybe you could, I don't know if it's going away now, but at one point you could find where Facebook had classified you politically, and I was classified as very liberal, and this was buried somewhere in my Facebook settings. Yeah, in ad preferences. Right, so just based on the data it had accumulated on me, Facebook determined that I am a very liberal person. Yeah, I'm going to get into relatively soon why that matters and why they would want that. But yeah, anyway, that's what we mean by your personal data. All of the things that make up your personality and your genetic code. Yeah. And yeah, your location is a big one. Yeah, it really kind of is. I was classified as somewhat liberal. Interesting. A big old lib. (laughs) A cuck, if you will. You cuck motherfucker. (laughs) Mother cucker. I have actually started using cuck because that is the dumbest insult and I fucking love it. Like someone cut us off in traffic on our road trip and I was like, that Cuck motherfucker. <laughs> it's fun to say. I've also been using cocksucker a lot, which is... Ooh, you could say cockcucker. Oh, God. This is a good day. <laughs> so I kind of just assumed that the GDPR was related to this Cambridge, Analytical sc- Cambridge Analytica scandal. 
But it was just really coincidental timing that that happened right before this was implemented. Right before this was implemented. But anyway, so you've probably been aware a couple of months ago, Facebook was under a lot of scrutiny for um, Mark Zuckerberg's horrible haircut. <laughs> that and him being a lizard person and Cambridge Analytica. So um, Cambridge Analytica was a third party site that promised its clients quote-unquote, cutting-edge psychographic profiles that could judge voters' personalities better than their own friends could. Holy shit. This is why I, yeah, this made me think about when I read this, my little very liberal tag on Facebook. I don't really post political things on Facebook ever. Yeah. I tend to keep those opinions private for the most part, but Facebook knew that I'm a big old cuck monster. (laughs) Cuck sucker. And I also thought it was interesting because Facebook is... I've heard it accused by so many people as being very left-leaning, but Cambridge Analytica was tied to the Trump 2016 campaign. Huh. They acquired data from 87 million Facebook users, okay? Oh my god. Only 270,000 of those users consented. The interesting thing in this case is that they didn't just get the data of the people who consented, they gathered the data of the people who consented and those people's friends. So I did receive a notification that's like, hey, one of your friends did something and your data may have been breached. That was referring to Cambridge Analytica. Holy crap. Yeah. So if someone on your Facebook friends list consented to whatever the fuck, then your data was compromised by a, uh, yeah, some political powerhouse. And the thing is, with GDPR, however people choose to spin it, you would have some level of protection and litigation that you could... Like, let's say hypothetically someone maliciously used your data that they acquired. You would have the ability to deal with that in the court system. Now, you really wouldn't. There's no charge for that. It's perfectly legal. Yeah. And I read a really interesting anecdote to put this into perspective. So um, this was from a story in The New Yorker called Cambridge Analytica and Our Lives Inside the Surveillance Machine. But they tell the story about how in 2006... A random pollster in Nepal was kidnapped and held hostage. So this person was conducting opinion surveys on behalf of an American political strategist. And the people who abducted him were running an insurgency against the government. Okay, so they held him for ransom, but they didn't want money or weapons or the usual things that people are held ransom for. They wanted data. What the fuck? Yeah, they wanted... Data pirates? They wanted polling data. Data pirates. Right, so um, there's a quote in this article. It says, what's the currency of the world now? It's not gold, it's data, it's information. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, it makes sense this is the information age, but the idea of an eye patch having, like, <laughs> portable hard drive? <laughs> Yarr! <laughs> Give me them their files. Put them on this her booty drive. Yeah, but, okay, if you can analyze someone's Facebook information and determine how they lean politically or the things they care about, then you can target that person with, you know, things that may sway their vote or things that may manipulate them in one way or another. I can see how this is valuable information. And the people who lean toward you already, you can just really hammer them with echo chamber bullshit. I don't know how this shit works. I have, I did read, this was... This was like ages before privacy. This was ages before Cambridge Analytica. Like, I want to say this was when I lived in Asheville. So it would have been what, like 2013? 
I read an article where someone noticed that it had to have started around this time. Maybe I could find that article eventually. But anyway, they started noticing that their friends, they were very liberal, and their friends who leaned more right slowly started falling off of their newsfeed, which I would have been totally cool with <laughs> this last election cycle. Yeah, what a dumpster fire. Yeah. But anyway, they started noticing that they saw more and more of people who agreed with them. And the idea that they had was, well, I guess Facebook is trying to give me a more positive experience. And if they see, or if I see more people that I agree with, then I'm going to have a better time than if I'm constantly bombarded with things I disagree with. They were like, but the problem is, how do we create positive political discourse in an echo chamber? You can't. Right, you can't. And this is tangentially related, but it makes me think about... Um, We've been talking in privately a lot about the incels movement, how those guys go in these echo chambers with other frustrated men and they become radicalized because they're not talking to women. They're not talking to people with opposing viewpoints. That's the same thing. If I'm exposed to nothing other than my own existing opinions, then I'm always going to be the same person. Exactly. And if you're if you're only exposed to people who agree with you, you are going to think it's just like when we did the episode about um. Shit, I don't remember what the episode was about, but the, <laughs> the point I made in the episode, you could, Kelly's the encyclopedia. In the episode, I was talking about how police have a tendency to view the world more negatively because they're constantly arresting people who break the law or yeah. they're just constantly exposed to people breaking the law and it creates a bias in their brain that, okay, well, if for, you know, 40 plus hours a week, I see people doing bad things, then people are bad. Right. No, yeah, I agree. It's the same politically. It it makes the quote-unquote other side more of an other exactly yeah it's not cool i mean you fucking hate it here at southern hills yeah <laughs> we're starting to get into the gdpr ramifications i'm a couple whiskeys steve you'll have to bear with me <laughs> but so let's break down what the gdpr is and as i said earlier it stands for the general data protection regulation um this was passed in the european union and it so it mainly affects people who live in the EU, but those effects stretch globally. So let me break it down a little. A lot of companies found that it's way easier to universally comply with the GDPR than it is to situationally apply it. So basically companies like Microsoft and, oh shit, I didn't write down my other examples. There are other companies other than Microsoft, but some companies have decided that they're going to comply with GDPR for everyone. Yeah. And that would mean that within 72 hours of your data being breached, just as one benefit, they will tell you. Yes, which before they would spend weeks and weeks and weeks trying to deal with it. Yeah. And then tell you. Yeah. Also, I thought this was interesting. The GDPR is the most contested law passed in the EU to date. But what it means, so it's a sweeping law that gives residents of the EU more control over their personal data. And it clarifies rules and responsibilities for online services that have European users, which is every online service, more or less. And the previous law uh, governing data protection in the EU was passed in 1995. Oh, wow. We've come a long way since then on the internet. Yeah, you could... Couldn't you look at the Space Jam website? (laughs) Yeah. If you want to see how far... Yeah, if you want to see how far we've come since then, go look at the Space Jam website and then look now. Yeah. So as Rachel just said, one of its new rules or one of the new rules in the EU is that if there is a data breach, you have to be notified within 72 hours. 
One of my favorite things is that it now requires companies to use plain language to communicate how they process user data. Yes! Because um, this was pointed out, Google's most recent privacy contract is 20 pages long. They're always way too long, full of legalese and technical jargon. No one fucking reads them. Right. So you click I agree and you submit and you've agreed to God knows what. Everyone does that and everyone knows that everyone does that. Yeah. And the EU saying that's not okay anymore. You have to use plain language to communicate what they are agreeing to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I really like that. There's another cool thing that you can see in your privacy policies. If you pay attention to them, it's called the Canary Statement. And basically, if the NSA asks a company to turn over all, all of their data to them or to turn over user data, they can't say, hey, the NSA came to us. The government said we have to turn over our data. They would put this statement in there that was like, to date, no one has or whatever. I, I'm not going to quote it. Google, Google it. Google, Google the Canary <laughs> Statement because I think the idea was... They put in the statement that was like, um, our data hasn't been requested or whatever. And then when that statement wasn't there, then you could see they didn't tell you. Oh, fuck. And I remember when Reddit's canary statement went away because it was there for forever. And then, you know, you go and look at it and one day it's not there. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not good enough. No. So I like this plain language because I don't have to go look for... Yeah, I like it too. And... Um, another thing about it that I think is really great is it has a really well-defined idea of consent. There's no more clicking I agree and it's a free-for-all with your personal data. So if they are going to use a piece of data for any purpose or if they want to collect that data, you have to consent to it at that point in time. So it will say, um, can we collect your geographical location for this purpose? And you can agree or disagree. And the idea is that it will do that for, yeah, every piece of data whenever ah. it wants to collect that data. I really like that too. One example used is that if um, – I have noticed this before when I'm using my GPS to go to a restaurant and then Google's like, hey, do you want to write a review for this restaurant? I always think that's weird. But in this case, um, it can only use your location to take you to the restaurant and then anything else it wants to use your location for, it must ask permission, which I guess Ooh. that is Google's way of asking permission. But – <laughs> that's just one example that's pretty so, cool actually yeah i i really like that a lot it just the idea is to make it totally transparent for everyone not just technical nerds yeah and the best part is that this is going to be heavily enforceable so if a company does not oblige by these new regulations they will be fined out their asshole it's like it's either four percent of their profits or 20 million euros, which comes to about 25 million US dollars, whichever is higher. Holy shit. Yeah, so we're talking a minimum 20 million euros if you don't fucking comply. Well, I think they figured out how to keep Greece afloat. <laughs> it's like by these assholes not doing what they're fucking supposed to. Right. And that's, that is what it takes. I... I'll get into this later, but I don't like this idea of let the public decide. That no. doesn't fucking work when you're talking about facebook who has billions of users and that especially doesn't work when it's like i am a and these transactions are considered b to b transactions i was never involved in the first place right like if you ask me hey rachel can facebook uh subliminally figure out i guess it's not subliminally hey rachel can facebook 
figure out what your political leanings are, I would be like, no, just like the rest of me, they go with the wind. Yeah. This is my inner lib cuck rearing its ugly head again. But the only way to get these kind of results is regulation and saying, if you do not comply, we will tear you a new asshole. I totally agree with that. You have to have teeth. Yes. I wonder... What are the stipulations for smaller companies yeah, that, that can't afford? That has been brought up because this is being very expensive to implement. Companies are spending fifty million getting ready. They've had the past two years to do this, and yeah, I was reading how they people are or companies are bringing on four hundred new employees and spending tens of millions just to implement this now. So it does. It is a really expensive thing to prepare for, and smaller companies are suffering. But, but. On the other hand, how many smaller companies are servicing the EU and the rest of the world? Yeah, you're right. I And honestly, I know that it's maybe not a business-friendly attitude, but I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't you give sh- a shit. You shouldn't be doing that in the first place. And the fact that we have to tell you what decency is doesn't mean that you shouldn't have been decent in the first place. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, because Kelly, if I if you tell me, if we have a conversation in private, and I'm like, I just assume it's a private conversation, you know, some, some conversations you know it's okay to share with people, and then other conversations, or, for example, when I was like, Kelly, I'm pregnant, you knew it wasn't common knowledge. Right. What we have given these companies is, when I start Googling things about being pregnant, they're able to sell that data to whoever they want. It's true. This is... One of my favorite anecdotes for this. So Rachel, I knew Rachel was getting married, you know, shortly before she posted it on Facebook. But the fucking minute she posted on Facebook, I'm engaged. I started getting targeted ads for bridesmaids dresses. (laughs) I was, my mind was blown. You sent me screenshots. Yes. Facebook was like, this is her best friend. She's getting married. She will probably be the bridesmaid. Buy this dress. It was insane. Yeah, it was like the same day. It was within minutes. Something I have (laughs) noticed in the conservative circles that I'm exposed to, it it may not be true for everyone because I know that some people are very, or some conservatives in particular are very, very anti-Snowden. He's a traitor. He's whatever, whatever. But in talking about Snowden once with a conservative circle I'm exposed to, um... They were all very pro-Snowden, very, yeah, we absolutely should know what the government's up to. We should know that they're doing that. He's a patriot. He did the right thing. Um, He didn't, oh, he didn't go about it the right way, so he should do jail time for it because that's how things happen. I don't know. That was their logic. Like, he, sh- he didn't do it the right way, but we're really happy that he did it and he's a patriot. Hmm. <sighs> it's fucking stupid. Anyway. Those same people, when I was like, well, how do you feel about businesses just selling your data all day? They were like, oh, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I mean, they're just doing it to serve me better. But yeah, those, okay, that part of the population, they're really anti-government in general and super pro-capitalist. Yep. They're business-friendly before all. Yes. And... At the expense of everything else. Yeah, and it's so stupid because if these companies weren't creating these huge databases of your personal life, it would be a little bit more difficult for the government to have all that data at their fingertips. That's another thing. 
if the NSA had a breach, it would be a BFD. Everybody would know about it. It would be, you know, I mean, maybe not, considering they didn't even know. You would hope. You would hope that it would just be, like, son of a bitch Tuesday. Yeah, it's funny because those are the people who were just, like, pulling guns on census workers who come to their door. Like, imagine, if you will, that the U.S. government sold all of our personal information, you know, name, address, blah, 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 to Russia. People would lose their shit. But an American business selling that same information to a Russian business, that's cool. Yeah, we're totally okay with that because because there's money involved. <laughs> I mean, not for me, but for someone. Yeah, and they're they're smarter and better than me and deserve more money. Yep. It's just like that episode of Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson's son, he gets a pop-up alert for something for his son. And they were like, oh, yeah, they knew that you had a son. He was like, how did they know that I have this? And they were like, oh, yeah, you know, you went to the site for this thing. And then they got your data from that. And that's how you got this pop-up. And he just throws the computer in the trash can. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, the GDPR was passed in the EU. These laws do not apply to the United States. But they are affecting us. And so I wanted to just briefly explain how. Um, If you live in the States, you've actually, if you live anywhere in the world, your email inbox has been blowing up with we've updated our privacy policy emails. This stems from that. A lot of websites who have global user bases. Actually, the big four, I learned a new acronym. It's called GAFA, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. Ah, Yeah, them among countless others have had to revamp their privacy policy to reflect these changes because their user base is global. Anyway, so so, yeah, the regulations we've just explained, they apply to um, companies who have users based in the EU. And those users will have legal recourse against any violations. We will not. That's the difference. Yeah. It is kind of nice that they're universally adopting it, though. I mean, where they are. Right. Some are, some are not. I was reading about, no surprise, Facebook, but a lot of their, uh, God, it's really hard for me to explain on the spot, but okay, let's say they have users in Africa. Well, whatever they use to govern those people in Africa is based in Ireland. They're relocating those places so that they will no longer fall under the GDPR. Oh my God. I wish I... I could explain it better, but this is just a Dude, clip that's I was bad reading enough. Yeah, come on. It it's going to take regulation everywhere. Yeah, it would be nice if this happened in the United States in the semi near future. Oh, but this is pretty funny. So this passed two years ago, <laughs> but the grace period ended May twenty fifth. So they had until earlier this week to implement these changes which is hilarious because they've had two years and we all just got fucking spammed with new privacy policies like in the past week. I likened it to the experience that you get when you go to the Halloween store on Halloween and you find out that everyone sucks too. (laughs) There was an audible anxious fart heard from Silicon Valley all the way in Tennessee. Just, oh no. <laughs> yeah, um so if if you weren't ready to go by May 25th, you're fucked. Actually, on that note, so yeah, the grace period ended May 25th, buddy. You better be ready on May 25th. On May 25th, <laughs> Facebook and Google were hit with 8.8 billion in lawsuits. Oh. On day 1 of the GDPR, they both come from the same individual. He is an Austrian privacy activist, okay? Fuck yeah. Yeah. But 
the basis of his lawsuit is that so the GDPR has provisions around particularized consent. As we said earlier, if they want to collect this piece of information, I have to consent to that piece of information. And one of the consequences is that is that, you know, no more scroll to the bottom, click I agree and sign up. But uh, Facebook and Google still have those practices. And he called it an all or nothing approach, which is a violation of the GDPR now. You can't just say, yes, you can have all of my data, I agree, in Europe anymore. And apparently they were still doing that. So he's suing them for $8.8 billion. <laughs> um, I sense that will get settled out of court. <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, I guess I'll settle for $1 billion. <laughs> Yeah, Good. I'm happy he's suing them. I am too, but Facebook's defense was, we have prepared for the past 18 months to ensure we meet the requirements of the GDPR. And Google's was, we are committed to complying with the EU GDPR. <laughs> <laughs> okay, both of those read like, shit! Both of them read like, we are doing a thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sentence. <laughs> but So, whenever Kelly... This, this topic was actually Kelly's idea. She's been reading a whole bunch about the GDPR. And I noticed all of the privacy policy things and just moved on about. And then, because in our house, Colin is the privacy nerd. I don't know. So so I've approached it like, well, that box is checked. Um, anyway, <laughs> what I wanted to read about is how America felt about privacy. Like, how much do we genuinely value it? Because... If we are so confused by legislation to help keep your life private, or well, in a relatively new environment like the internet, then how, how much do people actually care about it? And I was actually pretty surprised. There was an article by Pew Research. Let's see. I love Pew Research Center. Dude, they, they, they do good work. So this survey was based in 2015, but 93% of adults say that being in control of who can get information about them is important. 74% feel this is very important, while 19% say it is somewhat important. 90% say that controlling what information about them is important. 65% think it is very important. At the same time, Americans also value having the ability to share confidential matters with another trusted person. 9 in 10, or 93% of adults, say that this ability is important to them, with 72% saying it is very important, and 21% saying it's somewhat important. How anyone could say that being able to confidentially share something is only somewhat important. Right? Like, sometimes I just want to talk shit. Exactly. And I want Kelly to be the only person who hears it. Exactly. And we do that with mad regularity. Exactly. I don't want anyone third party on that. I don't want to be to be Kelly and Rachel talking shit. Right. And yeah, if... Okay, I'm, I'm already anticipating the response is that, well, well, don't have private conversations on Facebook Messenger. Those arguments are not acceptable. I hate that. Where it's like, hey, this is a huge problem. Well, don't do the thing that this problem will cause. Or, you know what I mean? Yes, it would be the same as saying, don't expose yourself to new... Don't send news if you don't want them on the internet. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. Yes, it's it's stupid. Yeah. Because I should be able to use tools that seem like private conversations where it's me talking to Kelly. Kelly is the only person that can read it. It should not be that it isn't actually private because through these nuanced contractual obligations that I have created, you know, completely by accident by scrolling to the bottom and clicking agree. Right. That they can take from that and use it however they see fit. Right. Or 
what if I do a search for a medical condition, okay, that either I'm curious about or I have been recently diagnosed with or what have you, and some entity decides I have this condition or yeah, I am interested in this condition and I'm in a database of people with this condition. For example, people who give birth often wind up with hemorrhoids from having given birth. So I was curious what the like actual, they do this thing where they vacuum it and put a rubber band on it. And I was curious what that should look like because there's a cartoon graphic of it. So do I need to be in the hemorrhoids people database? Right. Maybe. The example I am thinking of is that, yes, I I have moderate anxiety like every other fucking millennial. So I have done research on what are common anxiety triggers? How can I recognize when I'm feeling anxiety? You know, what are some actions I can take to make it less of an issue in my life? And I'm not shaming therapy or anyone who gets therapy or whatever. I'm just saying Facebook targets me for therapy advertisements all day and all night. I'm in that boat. And I find it very... Patronizing? Yes. I'm just... It's like I, I'm a grown woman. I am very self-aware of my my mental state. Maybe some people aren't. Maybe some people, you know, need to be like, hmm, therapy. <laughs> but I was just curious about a condition that runs in my family. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I That doesn't sit well with me. I don't want to be targeted for medical treatments which to me is kind of what therapy is that's actually a fair a fair point or prescription drugs yes i don't know if this is normal for women either but i get all of the menstruation advertisements all of them all the time facebook thinks i'm just 24 7 ragging it (laughs) huh weird yeah it is weird i think but that peer research data It really blew my mind because for them to find that so many people find their privacy important and valuable to them, but then do nothing, nothing. And to the point that it seemed people were kind of annoyed with the GDPR. That's kind of the, the like vibe that I got. Like some people are excited about, I mean, it takes the nerds. The nerds are excited, like we're excited, but The other people are like, why am I getting so many damn emails? Exactly. And that's as far as they go with it. Jesus. That is the end. They're like, I I really am tired of opening privacy policies. (laughs) This is fucking bullshit. (laughs) I'm just trying to look at my face. I just want to look at my goddamn Instant Pot recipes in my group. (laughs) Speaking of which, I fucking love the Instant Pot recipes group. Man, I've heard good things too, but I, yeah. I'm a vegetarian. Instant Pot's not for me. Yeah, no, you're going to get next to no benefits. They're going to be like, have you ever heard of beans? <laughs> Put them in your Instant Pot. <laughs> Cook them. Um, the other part of that data that they found was that few people felt they had a lot of control over how much information is collected about them in daily life and how it is used. Yes, that feeling is completely accurate because you have no power. Right. And if for you to say things like, well, just don't use those things. Yeah, that's... <sighs> I'm going to have to dig it up. Like, (laughs) Kelly has data for this, so I'm going to bullshit while she finds her datas. The thing that I don't like about it is that would be the same as saying, um, well, if you don't like car accidents, get in your horse and buggy. Right. Like, sure, I could do that, but, uh, I'm not going to. Yeah, there are people who oppose the GDPR, um, and this is a quote I read that really annoyed me because this is a sentiment, uh, what was the example we just used 10 minutes ago? 
Don't send news if you don't want them on the internet. But anyway, this person says, uh, they expect the push for greater privacy protection in the United States to come not from lawmakers, but from the American public who will choose to work with brands that respect their data and shun those that don't. The free market does not always fucking work. We are talking about Facebook. This is this is not the bakery that won't bake a cake for a gay couple. This is Facebook. This is a entity that has become completely entwined in the daily lives of most Americans. Yeah. At that point, it requires regulation. It does. And I just don't understand why we think that businesses are just so... Businesses are inherently amoral. Their basis for what is right or wrong has to do with dollars and cents. Right. So why we think that we can just push morality on amoral entities is fucking stupid. And when it, it was broke, the news was broken two months ago that... If you make uh, personal data, like a Wild West frontier with whoever's the highest bidder can purchase, um, what was the quote? Like a highly personalized psychographical analysis. Yeah, that's what it was. Psychographical, which I had never even fucking heard of yeah, as a is, word. Is that a word? I don't, apparently, I don't know what the hell that means. Yeah. So if that, if we have that, then... Our personal information is sold to the highest bidder and utilized. And yeah, our my friend, the person I took fucking trigonometry with my freshman year of college I haven't spoken to in 15 years, they can consent to it. And then my shit is sold too. That's not okay. No, it isn't. And again, for us to say, well, stop using those things. That's stupid. That's not how the fucking world works. No, that's not how the world works. And ugh, sure, if you don't like... How your apples are picked. Don't eat fucking apples, Kelly. <laughs> One thing I was reading about was um, self-censorship. And basically, people's browsing habits changed after the NSA became common knowledge. You know, the like, it's kind of a trope now that, that everyone has their own personal FBI agent. <laughs> yes, I love those memes. <laughs> they are really funny. But it's just this like common idea that we all laugh about. But the thing is, self-censorship is a huge problem, especially when you look at things like gay marriage. Um, that went from it'll never happen to inevitable with almost no intervening middle ground. But to get from immoral and illegal to both moral and legal, intervening steps are needed. It's done by a few. It's a counterculture. It's mainstream in cities. Young people don't care anymore. It's legal. And this is a long process that needs privacy to happen. Right. And this is from... Oh, shit, I didn't cite this shit. Those are all <laughs> verbatim quotes, dude. If your goal is to control a population, um, this person, Shiner... Oh, here. Security expert Bruce Shiner, a fellow at the Brickman and in the cybersecurity program of the Kennedy School's Belfer Center, says, Governments know that self-censorship is great because they can't surveil everyone. So they know that if they put out the idea that they are watching and what you look up can have legal ramifications on your life, then you're just not going to look up those things. After the NSA became common knowledge, searching for things like Al-Qaeda, dirty bombs, um, there was another example. I don't remember what the other example was, but you, you get the idea. Things that you would think, oh, the NSA is going to think I'm a terrorist. How to join ISIS. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe you're just curious. You just want to know how do people find themselves, especially after... The girl from Chattanooga became an ISIS bride. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe you want to know, how did she become an ISIS bride? How does one do that? Googling those things has stalled. People aren't as intellectually curious as they might have been. And it's really a problem when you look at, again, what I mentioned earlier, the gray area that is what it means to be a criminal in the United States right now. After 9-11, there was a huge list of banned songs, blacklisted songs, and Rage Against the Machine was on it. Holy shit. You'd have to look it up, but they were no longer considered radio-friendly songs. So, and there were certain books that you would go to the library and check out, and those would put you on a list. And they're just narrowly, not even narrowly, they're just broadly defining what is inappropriate. And so people are... I mean, they're Fahrenheit 451-ing themselves. Yeah. And that's a huge problem when you, again, like this article said, look at how human progress happens. You need privacy and you need to be, I need to say, Kelly, I think gay space communism is okay. Mm-hmm. Let's look into gay space communism together. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> With the United States government, you can file a Freedom of Information Act request and find out what the government knows about you. And I read an article about this forever ago. This one high school class as an experiment in their senior civics class, I think it was. They all filed freedom of information fact requests on themselves, and several people found out that they had been actively followed by an FBI agent. Ooh. And they, they had no idea. They were like, uh, you were at the movie theater at this time, and it since the investigation went nowhere, it became public information that it had happened. And that's why it was a part of their file. Wow. And if you've ever worked for the government, for example, TVA, your workplace data, whatever they are collecting on you... They would have to ask something specific to get access to it. But if it is known that you work for one of those employers, people can file Freedom of Information Act requests on you and whatever. But the thing is, you don't have any sort of thing like that right now for data that is being collected on everyone Mm -hmm. by these companies unless you can afford to pay for it. It doesn't sit well with me because Facebook... It does know you better than your friends know you. They know who you're sending nudes to. Yeah, and Cambridge Analytica knew that. Oh, this is another stipulation of the GDPR that I forgot to mention. That is a big one. So, yeah, under the GDPR, at any point in time, you can request your data from a company so you can see what information they have collected on you, and you can also request to have it deleted. Ooh. Yeah, so if you consent to okay, yeah, you can have this piece of information and then later decide, yeah, you know what? I I want that taken out of your database. You can have it deleted. That's great. Yeah. Because right now we're just creating a system where no one's going to be able to run for office. That is so true. Like, no, I have thought about this before. Like, holy shit. If anyone ever, you know, cracked my 10 year history of Facebook messages. Yeah, I'm fucked. But my solution to that, (laughs) okay, the solution is to have a reputation such that no one will ever be surprised by anything. (laughs) (laughs) Goddamn foolproof, Kelly. Yeah, I took it to the other extreme. You know, some people are just like, I got nothing to hide. I'm just like, are you really surprised? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I kind of toe the line on, I mean, you can have it if you want it, but I don't know why you want it. The other side of that, which is my tragic birth without shame yeah i got definitely got that going on too it's awesome yeah pretty liberating it is this podcast has been extremely liberating i'm meeting people for the first time i know nothing about them and they know my favorite anal lube i know that's got to be a good feeling yeah 
It's hmm. coconut oil. <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> That's what you'll do. We're going to do, we're coming out with uh, Southern Hills merch and Kelly's is going to be branded anal coconut oil. Yeah, it's just going to say coconut oil. It's just going to be regular coconut oil, but it's going to say for anal. <laughs> for rectal use only. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty smart because you don't want to use the rectal use only coconut oil on in your face. In the kitchen. Or yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. That's true. That's a recipe for pink eye. And Man, you, you really don't want to buy a whole jar just for anal lube because that stuff's not cheap. Hmm. Kelly. And you'd have to do a lot of butt fucking to go through a whole jar. Kelly, I'm seeing dollar signs here. <laughs> we found our we found our niche. Oh shit. Southern Hills rectal coconut oil. And kinkware, since you're in the latex game. Dude, since we decided in one of our recent episodes um, that we're going to sell Southern Hills butt plugs, those two things just go together. Oh my god. This brand is just really making itself here. <laughs> Southern Hills, shove it up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Hills, for rectal use only. <laughs> Southern Hills, stick it up your ass. <laughs> oh, another thing that I noticed... Not butt plug related. <laughs> Some companies are circumventing the GDPR by offering EU specific subscriptions. So they're like, hey, for 90 bucks a year, um, we will totally comply with the GDPR. For everything else, you have to opt in to all the tracking and blah, blah, blah. And Oh, those motherfuckers. Yes. And that actually kind of raised a question for me, which is, these same companies that offer, you know, specialized content, if you choose to be a subscriber, and then, so let's say you're paying your subscription service, but they're still advertising to you, and you're still getting ads, so they're double dipping. Yeah. Like, I would love to not have, like, really, you want me to opt in? I use this website all the time. Sure, I would be happy to opt into this. It, I don't know. It just kind of, I think it bothered me because... I get that companies have to make money. I get that, you know, we're so used to a free internet and the price of that has been that data has become the new gold. But I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not happy with that as a solution. We'll see. I see. I see your dilemma. I'm not happy with that either, but I do see where you're coming from. Yeah, data is the new gold, so companies have become spoiled on targeted advertising. Targeted advertising is undoubtedly worlds more effective than commercials. Bl blanket advertising for everyone. Yeah, so. and I didn't even think about that. I pay for streaming music with no commercials. I pay for Hulu with no commercials and Netflix. Huh. I guess. I, yeah, I, I pay for music. I pay for streaming video. But, but, um, I don't pay for YouTube. I use Google Play Music. If you use Google Play Music, you get YouTube Red for free, and then you don't have advertisements. Ooh, ooh la la. It's the same price as Spotify, too. Hmm. It is not as sexy to look at. Sorry, Google. <laughs> I am vehemently, innately opposed to paying for a social media site because at this point, it's it's culture, you know? Yeah. My brain keeps going back to the net neutrality issue. You know, when we were talking about net neutrality, I was vehemently opposed to paying to access the specific site. Yeah. 
But when you wrap it in the package of, well, we can't harvest your data anymore, so we're losing money, so you should pay to use our website. It makes it more palatable, but at the end of the day, your corporate issues are not my fucking problem. You got used to practicing an unethical practice, and if that's taken away, that is your problem. I agree with that, and I think if it were go, it were, if it were to take me back to the early internet days before all of this cookies with trackers and targeted ads, if it were like I'm okay, I would be like I'm okay with you knowing how old I am. I'm okay with you knowing I'm female, and I'm okay with you knowing the region I live in. Right. Because again, the GDPR says you get to opt in to what information they can know. Right. I would accept targeted ads based on this data and nothing else. So they could still advertise to me. It would just be, I wouldn't constantly see fucking Pampers ads. Jesus Christ, I fucking get it. I'm pregnant. I get it. I fucking know. Did you know that babies need diapers, Rachel? Holy shit. Did I not? Rachel, did you know that non-pregnant women need tampons? Holy shit. I am reminded daily. (laughs) Hey, is your cooch bleeding? (laughs) No Pampers. <laughs> they covered everybody. There's other ways that they could be pitching advertising to me. For right. example, all the fucking sample boxes I have gotten, which I'm totally cool with, I'm not gonna lie. Those are the best. Yeah, they're like, hey, this is the diaper we make. Here it is, so I can touch it. Put oh, it yeah, on your there, baby. There are a lot of baby freebies. Yeah, so why the fuck do I need Pampers ads in my face? Oh god, I know Pampers exist. Yeah, for real. Jesus Christ. That's my rage boner for the minute. When I get old, do you think they'll start pitching Depends ads at me? Are you shitting yourself? (laughs) Depends. God, I don't know. Like, seriously, what if some of these companies instead were like, hey, we need to know four things about you. If we know four things about you, we can advertise to you and you don't have to pay a subscription service. Right. I am okay with that. I'm okay with that. I consent. But yeah, Targeted advertising, it's, I don't think that's a company's right. No, it's invasive. It's invasive as hell. Yeah, I, I like the opt-in idea, but I don't think that if you don't opt into targeted advertising, you should be charged a premium. If you don't opt into targeted advertising, then you can receive blanket advertising with everyone else. You know, you can see the same Coca-Cola advertisement or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Generic shit. Yeah. That I'm okay with. Just seems like they're trying to create some sob story where they're the victim. Exactly. They're making themselves the victim and they're saying, hey, my bullshit is your fault. Give me money. And I'm like, hey, fuck you. Yeah, hey, uh, for decades, advertisers did not do this thing. So suck my balls. <laughs> so lick my butt and suck on my balls. <laughs> it is amazing though. I Facebook yes they have decided i need therapy they think i'm on the rag 24 7 but they know i like spooky shit i like cats i like um oh god what's the other thing crop tops get a lot of ads for those i'm into the crop tops yeah they have got me figured out my targeted ads make me look boring as shit (laughs) i i get a ton of ads for this thing called brandless right now which is actually i get those too i'm into it I'm not into targeted advertising. I'm into brandless as a concept, even though brandless is a brand. Yeah, their whole thing is that their packaging is just a box that says, like, macaroni. <laughs> I like it. It's very dystopian. Yeah, it's very minimalist. <sighs> I dig it. 
it's funny, whenever minimalist packaging first started appearing on the shelves, that shit stands out so much more than the other stuff now. It just looks classy. Yeah, and oh my god, this is what drives me crazy. I buy Charmin toilet paper there, I said it. Why are you ashamed of that? Oh, I'm not, I'm not. Here's the thing, my Charmin toilet paper says Charmin on the tissues now. And that bothers me. I do not need every goddamn thing in my house advertising. Like, the idea is that you come to my house, you wipe your ass, you see that the ass uh, paper oh, I'm just is like, Charmin. Wow, this is much better than the sandpaper I use at home. What is it? Charmin. Exactly. This is annoying. And I kind of hate it with my shampoo bottles and everything, too. Because I'm like, I know what I bought. It doesn't need to. So I kind of like the idea that it just says shampoo. Shampoo. I have grown to hate advertising so much that I almost bought um, Simple Human makes these mountable dispensers for your shower, but they're it's fucking expensive. It's like I don't I remember thinking I'm not paying for that. It already comes in bottles. But if you did, then you could just buy your shit from the Dollar Tree. No one would ever know. Exactly. <laughs> oh God! Except for my. Except for your scalp. <laughs> exactly. Except for my horrible psoriasis on my scalp would just be like, that's cool. I'm just going to ooze and turn red for days, but if this is what you want in life. So, Rachel, what is your takeaway? I, honestly, my takeaway is that the GDPR is making this more, making data privacy more of a conversation. And that's a great start for us because, like, like I said earlier, 93% of people said, yeah, this is important to me. But we have nothing. Right. So now seeing it already happening and being feasible, it would be much easier for us to pass a law like this now. Because they're like, well, they're already doing it for all these other places. It's That's not going to cost them more it, money to do it, it for It would us. make it easier to implement here in the States. That's very true. Yeah. So my other takeaway is that advertising is slowly making us hate every brand to the point that we like brandless. God, do you remember that episode of Futurama where Fry sees an advertisement for underwear in his dream? <gasps> yes. That's what this makes me think of. <laughs> is that your takeaway? More or less. I, my takeaway is that I feel very validated because I the free market, I think it's great for small businesses. When you're talking about global conglomerates, not so much. When you get to a certain level, you need regulation. That's how I feel, and I think that's what we see evidenced here today. Yeah. So, feeling very validated, Rachel. I'm pretty happy with that. Like, once you've reached a certain level of ubiquity. Exactly. Okay, this is very ADD. I'm sorry. In the vein of um, global conglomerates, um, the guy that invented the Segway, I watched a documentary about him. I don't remember what the what it was. I don't remember if it was just about him or not. But anyway, the guy that invented the Segway is just a serial inventor. And what he wanted to do was get water to everywhere. He was like, why do all these places? I'm an inventor. How do I make this happen? So he started going to these remote places to try and figure out how to get water to them. A lot of it was super crazy, just crazy difficult to get to these places. So he couldn't figure out like a good universal path to make it happen. But then he noticed that in all of these places, Coca-Cola was already there. They were, it was that ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Wow. Yeah. So he was like, okay, I'm just going to fucking talk Coca-Cola because they have no problem getting water everywhere or well, getting Coke everywhere. So how do we, how do we work together? So he talked to Coke. He was like, hey, I really want to get water everywhere. And they were like, okay, we'll invent something for us. 
Uh, so he invented the freestyle machine. Is that the machine that makes water out of air? Oh no, it's it's the. <laughs> this is gonna be way more disappointing. <laughs> now that it's the Coke machine where you can make all the different flavors. Oh <laughs> no, that changed my movie going experience. Yes, and Zaxby's vanilla ginger ale, dude. Mm. Red cream soda. But how does, or, that, sorry. how does that help people with no water in the middle of the jungle? That, that was like their deal. He was like, oh, I got you. I got you. He was like, I'll make this and then you guys help me do this. Oh, okay. That is awesome. Yeah. But it just blew my mind. He was like, yeah, no one has really innovated soda soda fountains in however long. So I innovated soda fountains. Damn. That's brilliant. I know, right? But I was going to say, um... Um, one time I saw this episode of Pimp My Ride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sold already. And like in the back of this van, they put this machine that made water out of the air. How the fuck? I don't know. And I was going to say, just give them that machine. It's probably like $14,000 or something ridiculous. That's Pimp Ass Ride. Yeah. So again, the Coca-Colas and Googles of the world are too big for me to mom and pop and grassroots some change out of them. Exactly. They are too big. They're too big for the free market. That's how I feel. And the only way to make these motherfuckers comply with anything is to say, we will find you out the ass. Yeah, because the day that shit, you know, hit the streets... They Boop. were panic farting. <laughs> <laughs> and we heard it all the way over here. We know your secret shame. <laughs> yeah. I hope that oh, after God. listening to this episode, Shit. our followers are like, every time I see a privacy policy, I hear a fart now. <laughs> a panic fart. A really squeaky one. No, okay, I have to say this. Because I was thinking about the evolution of this podcast, and in September of last year, Rachel and I were like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, a fun podcast. We tell stories about being weird girls in the South. It'll be fun. Fast forward seven months, it's like, welcome back to Kelly and Rachel's Communism Power Hour. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to tell you to suck our balls. (laughs) Eat the rich. Empower the poor. (laughs) Seize the means of production. (laughs) Southern Hells. Seize the means of production. (laughs) And I remember there there was like a turning point for Kelly. We were like, she was like, I think humans can do ethical capitalism. And then the next episode, she was like, these motherfuckers. (laughs) Yeah. The further you go down the rabbit hole, it's just like, I'm finding the shit out of you. Because <laughs> you fucking earned it. You stupid bastards. I do think smaller businesses, just like you said, free market works for smaller businesses. Smaller businesses are great for ethical capitalism. I agree. But I agree. once you get so many shareholders and, and so then, much money. Right. Just... Then the actual consumers become baseless. That's yeah. when it changes. So, yeah, maybe there could be some provisions. Like, we talked about in our last episode, the proposed freeloader fee that exempts small businesses. Ooh, but then that makes a backdoor for shady dealings. Yeah, then they're just going to 
Man, I don't know. I would think that at some point we're going to reach another antitrust age where we're like, all right, we got to break all this shit up. We got too many right. big ass companies. Yeah. Um, how long it's going to take us to get there? Who knows? True. But this is a start. And I, this is amazing. I am totally on board with the GDPR. Yeah. I cannot believe how much of a fucking boot up the ass it is. Yeah, they it are was not like, fucking around. Oh, very nice. Yeah, you will comply, motherfucker. I like or it. You can get out. <sighs> Southern Hills, get on board. Get out. <laughs> if you don't like our podcast, then you can get out. <laughs> <laughs> don't tread on us, unless you're corporate America. In which case, please tread on me. In which case, use the good lube. <laughs> <laughs> if it's good for business, Kelly. <laughs> I mean, I'll settle for the bargain lube if that's what the company just has to do. If you opt into targeted advertising, we'll use the good shit. <laughs> if not, it's some crit city. Oh, God. If not, it's it's lube that's like sugar-based and going to be sticky. Oh, God. It's the shit that warms up and you're just like, why? Why would anyone ever want this? <laughs> this is like when I forget to wash my hands after cutting jalapenos and I have to pee. <laughs> Fire snatch. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you make of the GDPR? Are you for it? Are you against it? And if you've made it this far, like and subscribe us. Oh, yeah. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, except for Spotify. <laughs> We're not cool enough yet. Yes, yeah, Spotify hasn't exactly gotten on board with the Southern Hell's way of living. But we are pretty all right we are adequate yes southern hills we're adequate <laughs> so yeah uh subscribe to us if you like us leave us a review like us on facebook i should really post on our instagram <laughs> hey i tweeted today oh shit that's a presence oh yeah and to everyone who's already liked us thanks yeah thank you and um we welcome all feedback Topic ideas, if you want to hear us riff about something, let us know, southernhells at gmail.com. Send your dick pics, kelly at southernhells.com. It's kelly with an I at southernhells.com. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.